It's a comics time travel machine. We're going back to the early 90s. We've left the Krakoan age behind. Except for a little bit of Krakoa. Honestly, that was all I needed. Just that little nugget? No, I, I wanted more. <laughs> Welcome to the XY Podcast. I'm Alicia. And I'm time traveling Justin. Getting rowdy. I'm never careful. I'm always rowdy. All right. So, as Justin mentioned, there's not really any Krakoa books this week. We're talking X-Men Unlimited. Number 45. We got Wolverine Patch. Number four. And Gambit. Number one. And that's it. Well, maybe I got something for you on the other side about Spider-Man and or the Eternals. We'll see. We got some tidbits of information as well ah leading into some other things right so we got spider-man coming in on the hellfire gala figured i'd tell you a little bit about what he's up to mm. and we got the eternals i've been binging that series trying to catch up trying to get there trying but that's but you said by the time we record this episode you would have read it all yeah well we're recording this in two days so yeah 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 okay so for tomorrow part two right you have to be done I know my responsibilities. I'm just saying it because I get called out a lot when I say I'm going to have read something and I don't. So it's love. It's just a loving. It's just love. You moved the goalpost on me. You, you eliminated a full day on me. That's not. That's not on me. Sorry. Not sorry. All right. So uh, let's get started with that X-Men green. What about the news? Oh, my gosh. Are you kidding me? <laughs> You have to deliver the news. And there's even a song. We we guested on a trivia podcast over the weekend mm. for Anchorman 2, which I love Will Ferrell. But Anchorman 2 is probably my least favorite Will Ferrell movie. But we aced it. We got, we the, got the highest, highest score. score. We set a record. He's ever gotten. It's not going to come out for another like couple weeks. but Mid-August. Yeah. But if you want to hear us crush it, delivering the news... On the TV trivia podcast. I mean, you know, that's a that's a big wind up to tell you we don't have a whole lot of news. It's still How rude. We're <laughs> Alicia, the news. I have nothing to we're say. We're still reeling from the fact that San Diego Comic Con was last week, and, and we weren't there. And we weren't there. No, I mean, <laughs> sure, but also the news continues, right? There was X Men ninety seven news. We got some animation. We got mm-hmm. the confirmed list of our cast of characters. Our X-Men roster consists of Rogue, Gambit, Wolverine, Jubilee, Cyclops, Storm, Jean Grey, and Beast. With some guest characters as Nightcrawler, Forge, Bishop, Cable, Morph, sporting his AOA head, and Sunspot, a new addition to the lineup. Whoa. Magneto will be leading our X-Men <laughs> in his M pajamas from X-Men 200, Uncanny X-Men 200. Ooh. And we've got a lineup of seemingly villains, Mm -hmm. Callisto, Emma Frost, Mr. Sinister, Sebastian Shaw, and Valerie Cooper. And of course, those bucket heads, the Sentinels. Those bucket heads. Because you can't have a children's TV show where you're slicing into humans, so you just throw robots at them. Slice and dice those robots. I think the animation looks really good. It does, yeah. There's a lot of back and forth on... Storm's Mohawk. Oh, whether well, so people don't like it. Some... People, people aren't. At least I've seen a decent number of people not into it, not liking it. She was previewed with her full hair, 
And especially, I mean, I understand the costume she's wearing, the uniform she's wearing is not when she would have had a mohawk. I see. But at the same time, I love Storm and a mohawk, so I'm here for it. I'm there for it. I'm everywhere for it. Yeah, Mohawk Storm is pretty cool. So I say let's get it. Let's get it. We got a lot of other MCU news labeling this saga as the multiverse saga. No X-Men news. And there's rumors about why. Oh, and what are those rumors? They are the fact that the Fox characters, the actors signed into contract, are potentially in contract up until 2025. That if anyone were to appear as a character, that it would have to be that character. Which I don't understand. I don't know if that's just like fans spinning their gears trying to come up with a reason why. So like if... If I were to cast an Ilyana in a movie, it would have to be Anna Taylor-Joy. So... Oh, woof. Because of the, but I, also, that's a terrible example because I would love it to be her. Sure, right. <laughs> but I think that's also just, that doesn't make any sense. You know, you are in contract to the studio. I don't know that the studio is necessarily held to you as an individual actor. Maybe. Maybe, maybe you could sue, you know? Well, you never know. Those contracts, they run deep with all their clauses. But I think that that's why we're getting... And I'm excited for the Avengers, the double dose of Avengers in 2024 coming up. So the Kang Dynasty, Avengers, the Kang Dynasty and Avengers Secret Wars, because a Secret Wars, you could have literally anyone bring Hugh Jackman in, bring Magic in, bring Deadpool in and he just sticks around. Deadpool. That's why it opened. That's that's interesting. Appealing to me about what you're saying about Secret Wars. Overall, interesting that there's no X-Men news, but also I feel like we all just want there to be X-Men news. Sure. I mean, you're talking to a community of people that are obsessed with X-Men and that, you know, hey, I'm not going to trash the last entries in the MCU, but they've been middling. You know, it's it's not the highs of the highs that I've experienced at the beginning. It, It feels like a little lost and and the multiverse saga the label that's been slapped onto these three smaller phases Mm. i like that that's fine that that does give it some cohesion but it it does feel like just a a label on what they've been up to i mean i feel like in general people maybe hold the mcu to too high of standards because there are standout movies but not every movie can be of that caliber all the time like you need dynamics and i think the spider-man movie was really great and i think doctor strange and thor were doctor strange and thor movies yeah i don't i don't let that slide for that i i understand that and we've had that conversation before but i still like i loved ragnarok and i even really liked doctor strange in the first one and the involvement in infinity war and endgame and i just i i guess yes i'm expecting more but that's because i i want more you know and and if if i'm leaving the theater wanting more or wanting better that's not a good feeling regardless of whether my expectations are are too high and i'm imposing that on myself yeah well that's what i'm saying is i think i don't know it's not that that level of like infinity war level all the way through every movie is not sustainable so sure not Infinity War level, but like Winter Soldier. Your favorite one. Civil War, Thor Ragnarok. Like these were all like it was on a uptick mm-hmm. up until it hit Infinity War and Endgame. And then it's it's kind of 
So not Here to and go there. on too far of a tangent. We got time. But what is it about, like, let's just take the Thor Love and Thunder, for example. What is it about that movie that disappointed you? It was too jokey. Too it, jokey. It had no, and I've said this to a couple of people, it just, it was trying for the joke. It felt like jokes strung together to move you from one plot point to the next. It felt like there was a lot of concept and not a lot of delivery. I could have seen more gore development because I think that was the best. Yeah. I thought that was the best part of it. And I felt like it shoehorned in Jane Foster's story. Mm. And I don't want to give away too much because I don't know if anybody listening to this hasn't, right, seen, hasn't it. seen it. But I just I felt like it tried to do too much and it didn't do it. Like I left that thinking it didn't as a movie, it didn't have a core to it. It didn't mm. have a center that it came from it had a a strand that went around okay all right i'll give it to you i'll take it but anyway um, in other news oh we are going to terrificon this weekend yeah sunday just on sunday chris will be there from the comic shop oh really it's his first comic con oh my gosh so exciting we plan to stop by and say hello to a few people, one of which is a friend of our podcast, Mr. Joshua Kassara, which I'm really excited about meeting him in person. Very excited to meet him. Excited to talk to C.B. Sobolski. Mm-hmm. That'll be cool. Rick Leonardi will be there, I believe. J.R.J.R., John Romita Jr. It's, it's going to be fun. Isad Ribic, who is the artist on that Thor run where Gore came from oh, and cool. the most recent Eternals run. Really love his art. Cool, cool. There's yeah. a handful of really just like, oh, wow, that that's cool. That's cool. Yeah, it should be a good time. It's unfortunate that my performance schedule seems to be lining up with con schedules, so we're not going to get to go more than just one day, but we do get to go, so. Hey, maybe I'll go on Saturday and no, I'll tell you. No, you don't. <laughs> it's not. Be you already got to go to one con without me. You hanging out with Josh. No, this just, is unacceptable. She's talking about bubs. I already asked you if we could go on Saturday, and then you said, let's just go on Sunday, so I made plans to go to the beach on Saturday. So don't you even... look. You're looking at me with those little smirk eyes. I will, like, lock you in this house somehow. I'll figure it out. I'm very sneaky. I am upset by this joke. Two bits of news to cut in. We're doing a split recording today. I think Ooh. we mentioned it later on. So that also will explain. Surprise. Hey, if if there's something that, oh, we know more information at one point of the episode, but not at another. That's why. That's why. So I got in the rest of the Bonebreaker wave that I pre-ordered. Oh, snap. I'm pretty excited about that. And instantly regretted not getting Hot Claws Wolverine. <laughs> I knew it. Even though he doesn't even come with a builder figure piece, I just, I don't know. I don't know. I see an X-Men wave and I'm like, I need to finish it. You must have it all. Which is good because I have a free $15 credit on Amazon. So So looks like Hot Claws is coming home. Sorry, Ten of Swords. I was going to get you, but not anymore. Also, Marvel is teasing us with the fact that we didn't have any Krakoa books this week. They just got... All these preview pages for the different books coming out next week. They're just like, ha ha, ha you ah. want some Krakoa? Oh, you want a little bit of oh, X-Men you want a Red? Taste? You want some Immortal X-Men? Just a panel. Just it's a page. Just one page. 
I saw that you posted the the X Men Red preview pages, and I almost read them, and then I was like, nope. They didn't really reveal Save much. It. They didn't really reveal much, but they also just set up the well, destruction. I see the flash about to happen in the images, and right. I'm like, oh no, no, no. Uh, Ryan Panagos, Agent M, he posted today that he has a early release of X Men Red number five because he hosts the This Week in Marvel mm-hmm. podcast and he also is a VP at Marvel, so obviously he gets stuff before us perks, us folks, before and, us peasants over here. Yeah, and it's he just said how flipping good it was and. At one point, he dropped the comic, thrust his hands in the air, and made a weird sound with his throat. <gasps> Which I don't want to hype it up too much, but at the same time, oh, I, I just I want next Wednesday to be here. I feel like maybe there has to be a recording, a reading recording Uh-oh. of this real-time reaction. Let's talk about comics. Okay, finally, let's talk about comics. Speaking about being upset by the faces that I'm making, Eric Huffman commented oh on God, the, best. the picture of Doug, the preview art image of Doug, where he's just got this devilish grin on his face. And he was like, is this the face that Justin makes every time you're recording? Yes. Yes, Eric, it is. It's quite accurate. It's quite accurate. Let's get our, our micro dose of Krakoa out of the way first. We're micro dosing Krakoan drugs. <laughs> yeah. Basically, <laughs> family we're, friendly. We're hanging out with X Men Green and horticulture. And horticulture. And everybody's trying to use everybody. It seems like they're both planning to manipulate the other side. The X Men Green living up their famous moments. Yeah, they're they're soaking in the glory of being Referred to on the news as kids claiming to be the X-Men. Yeah. And Horticulture's got a snake and a secret super powerful mutant. The Armageddon Man, who natural disaster follows him wherever he goes. Get Apocalypse in here and give him a Richter-like pep talk because he needs to control his stuff. Uh, But also any time that I can say, let's bring Apocalypse back, let's let's bring bring Apocalypse back. back. I know he's he's waiting. He's, he's waiting in the, the wings. wings for something big. <laughs> but basically, I feel this issue was really a setup for whatever is about to come next. In a couple of ways. Yeah. Because we have the Armageddon Man. We have the two sides within this shakily formed alliance. Mm-hmm. We even have the details spilling out into the Quiet Council of, Hey, how, Doug, how did they hey, get Doug, out? What's uh what's going on here? And then... We've got Orcus. Orcus, oh yeah. That... We've got Brand working with Orcus, plain as day. I mean, we've seen shown, that. Shown it out. We've seen that though. And uh, the Fei Long and the Heritage. What is it? The Heritage Foundation or the Heritage Heritage Initiative? Initiative, yes. That's tied to Thunderbird. Right. So what we had seen in that giant-sized Thunderbird, that Heritage Initiative, is just a shell company that they've created. For Orcus to be able to continue to influence it. things. Yeah. I knew it. And Judas Traveler, the irony of a man named Judas betraying his people as he is selling out the mutants for what they're doing and is working with Orcus to work on the narrative pedal of their plan. Quite a quite a chunk of Krakoa for such a mini slice. Right, right. Lots of things working. And just when you get to the juicy bits and everyone says, hey, Doug, what are your what are your thoughts on how these friends 
managed to uh, get themselves out of the pit. Next, Cypher speaks. You get left hanging. Rightfully so. You know, that's that's the big reveal. That's the game ender. That's something. Written by Steve Orlando. Art by Amelia Lasso. Colorist Rachel Rosenberg. Letters Joe Sabino. VCs. What do you think about this? I thought it was interesting to see how the building blocks are all coming together. I liked hearing all the different perspectives and having those moments of like, aha, this is connected. Aha, this is connected. I love when the webs all lead to the same place. Sure. But I did think nothing really happened. It was just a lot of conversation. Oh, really? Also important conversation. Yeah, I think it was a lot of setup. So I would agree that nothing really happened. But at the same time, I really like, like this felt like one of the more meaty mm-hmm. X-Men Unlimited issues just because we saw Orcus, the council. Yeah. We saw a lot of pieces coming into focus. And so for, and it's also just probably because it's the only thing Krakoan that I read today. So Right, but for, for it being the only thing Krakoan, it really gave you a full scope yeah. of the world right now, right. you know, in the Krakoan era, which I appreciated. And I also just really like horticulture and I like their sassy little clips quips back and forth to each other and their distrust of everyone and just just their anger (laughs) yeah yeah those ladies they're crazy do you think that doug's gonna come clean i don't know is he gonna reveal destiny knows she's just sitting there like uh doug i i know what you did yeah she's got to i mean just by nature of her powers it's gonna be interesting he's gonna say something cypher speaks it's the tease. It's what we got coming. All right, let's talk about Patch. Let's talk about this cover first. We got a lot of dead bodies. Face off. And we got these two angry dudes with Wolverine in the middle. Yeah. Nick Fuller. <laughs> Nick Fury versus General Coy. So uh, let's dig in, shall we? Yep. Page turn noise. Wolverine Patch, no title. Just tell you what you're reading. I like these dossier data page intros, though. I just love the the visual style of it. Mm. Written by Larry Hama. Pencils by Andrea DeVito. Inks by Labine Underwood. Colors, Sebastian Shang. Letters, Clayton Coles. VCs, Clayton Coles. Madness. Tearing into it all. Wolverine just on a rampage. Patch, I'm sorry. Yeah, who's Wolverine? Go on, I'll cover you. As these Yakuza are raising this village. And then just get ready for a whole issue of Patch. Slicing and dicing villains. Slicey slice. Different angles and no one can believe it. He's just so fast. Oh my God. He's so fast. Where did he come from? How is he still alive? We got a lot of beautiful art. Yeah, I really do. A lot of slicing and dicing. I really do like the art panels and just the energy of his motion as he's tearing through. Mm-hmm. I never knew Wolverine to be that fast. Adamantium's pretty heavy, so I had assumed that he can't move that fast. But he's tiny, so he's, he's yeah. zippy. Sure. He can be aerodynamic. But a lot of great shots and just the number of times the claws go through the side of someone's head oh, or into man. someone's face. Yeah. Ugh. The best that he is at what he does, just tearing into these guys. They just don't know what hit them. And they retreat. They're like, we got to get out of here. There's demons in the forest, and I don't want anything to do with it. This guy's like, demons aren't real. Take this grenade. 
get it done. Yeah, just you need more bigger and better weapons. That's the doctor, right? Dr. Malhur. Yeah, I don't know. I can't keep... All I know is there's a lot of teams, and throughout this issue, those teams uh, start hating each other. So <laughs> There are a lot of teams, but I do appreciate the fact that this issue recognized that and, and took two large sweeping attempts to break down, okay, these are these guys, mm-hmm. and these are these guys. You know, they all are this type of person and led by this one person. Yes. And it also does a good job of of acknowledging the chaos within itself. Right. The story of like everything's happening at once for everybody and that is causing confusion for everyone. And so everyone shall attack everyone because no one knows who the good guys are. Right. Here for Aleph and the Healing Plane. Yeah, it's pretty this, cool. This family drama as Beth and Gimmel, after some unfortunate wordplay, are struggling <laughs> to get away, marveling at the man that is Patch. Yeah, they just don't understand. They thought their healing power was tough. Yeah, and this little grunty guy is just throwing himself into the gunfire. <laughs> oh, we're going to go take a nap. We're going to take a nap in the space realm. Just shoot it everywhere. We don't know where he is. Just shoot the whole woods. Hey, guys, we have made it very clear that we don't care about casualties. We're just going to shoot up this entire jungle. It's a pretty smart strategy if you're an evil person. Just <laughs> light up everything and hope you hit him. But he's got that sneaky snicked right to the back of the head. He's coming up behind you, you fool. How are you not going to check the bush behind you? I don't know. But he's still thwarting them. One guy in jeans at a time. Oh, those Yakuza. Taking him down, taking him down. And I do like the narrative captions, too. Mm -hmm. I I mean, I enjoy Patch generally, and this just feels like that next issue of it. You know, it it builds where we've been and it has like this was nonstop action the whole time. I feel like Wolverine needs. I mean, excuse me, Patch needs a nap after this. I think he always needs a nap. I feel like that is. He's that, always tired. That could be an X-Men Unlimited issue in and of itself. Just him taking a nap. Wolverine takes a nap. And people continuously interrupt him and he just wants to take a nap. Yeah. Poof. Speaking about a nap, the power nap team returns with upgrades and the desire to go back into action. Well, you know, they're they're feeling fresh. They're feeling ready to help their pal. And we start to break down who our major players are. General Koi, the Prince, and Tatiana riding in this convoy as everyone follows along, assembling their different armies. But there's a plan for Tatiana to double-cross, layered within, like all evil villains have. They're only out for their own evil plan, and they're only going to help you as long as it's good for them. And thankfully, our eye in the sky is breaking it all down. Thanks, team. Thanks, Nick Fury. Dr. Halur. Halur. <laughs> Leave it in. Dr. Halur and his crew of Yakuza, General Koi and his mercenaries, the prince and his private army, and the Russian naval infantry with KGB Major Nimikova. Honestly, it was really helpful because otherwise they were just this group of unnamed bad guys over here and this group of sliced up bad guys over here just... All shooting with different desire of where they're going to kill. And, yes, I did enjoy 
then this other breakdown, right. this breakdown by Patch. Right, about where they came sneaking from. Sneaking in, where they came from, what they're, what he's up against, and kind of deciding Who to strike how he's going to handle his, his situation. Right, because he's breaking down not just their allegiances, but their training. Mm. You know, you see the prince's army and the fact that they are just ruthless recruits from the slums prisons and urban gangs they don't have the combat training of the other two you can tell by the fact that they're talking as they're trying to search for him silly biscuits they don't know he's got heightened senses you don't know he can hear you he can smell you he can see you he can sense you and the chaos ensues trust issues abound this is what happens when you double cross a double crosser. Well, yeah, but in the mix of it all, the prince is just waiting for a croissant. His croissant, his oolong tea. He's got an umbrella boy. They double crossed me before I could double cross them. And I'm mad about it. So light up the forest. Similarly with Nick Fury, he's got everyone figured out. Oh, wow. They... Tiger Tiger and Archie Corrigan... They've escaped. Oh, no. That's exactly what I wanted them to do. <laughs> oh, Nick Fury. Nicholas. The savageness of this lady. I'm here. I got to take Koi's car. No, you can't. You can't take his car. Oh, really? Well, I'll just shoot you in shoot the head. Shoot you in the face. Because I'm going to take the car. Right. And I'm going to tell everybody that I was told to take this car, even though I'm clearly stealing this car. Go along with the plan or you'll yeah. get shot. Neither Dr. Halhur or Major Nemikova care. Nope. You know, the doctor is just going back to the monkeys. Like, hey, I got my own thing I need to go take care of. And Tatiana is just on her own murdering this guy and making the other soldier feel stupid about it. <laughs> yeah. You trying to tell me no? She doesn't care. She's got places to be. This is probably my favorite panel or one of. This big red scrot. Yeah. I love it. Scrot. Shout out to the art team. Continuously. Yeah. Just great Wolverine action. Patch. This is Patch. Great. Logan action. His name is Patch. <laughs> great, Have some respect. Great snickting action. <laughs> uh, but the, his his friends are here to help him. Yeah. Everybody's chipping in. I, I do like this moment of him giving life lessons. Like, what are you doing here? You're messing up, getting stabbed. You could be out seeing the world, but you had to join up with this outfit as he's cutting into them. Yeah. But bad guy's going to bad guy. And ain't nobody going to kill my new little friend. Nope. She's innocent, and I'm a knucklehead. He calls himself a knucklehead twice in this issue. Yeah, he does. But wait, oh, there's this, robots. But this this stabbed in the skull. Yeah, that's oh, what I'm man. saying. I, I do love this realization that this army infantry unit notices, hey, we don't need this guy that's killing us, mm -hmm. so let's just murder him. <laughs> let's just take him out. The other ones we need to capture. This one, not so much. The mandroid flex coming in. These robots... Robot pe people and robots. Yep. People mowing, inside robot bodies. Mowing down the opposition. I don't have a stun setting, so I'm just going to have to hurt them. <laughs> Sounds like poor planning on your part, bro. Yeah. And they've got side blockers, but it's fine because Wolverine will just slice their faces off. Yeah, and, we're getting in there. And then uh, our friends can take care of them. ALF can do what they do and get inside the mind of this shield agent and disarm them completely. Whoops. We got to get out of here, okay? But out in the skies, sniper shot taken out. Tatiana, the leader right of the KGB. Off a cliff. Yeah. She can't die right now. 
That can't be the end of her story. Probably not. She's going to come crawling out of that car in the next issue. Ugh, I must carry out my mission. Sorry, boss. They got away. Uh, this was him, and this, this was him. This ain't no Russian. That's, that's a bub. That's a bub I know and love. That's a bub if I ever seen a bub. I love the the next rush and attack. Ha ha ha. Issue five, the final issue of this story. What'd you think? I mean, I thought there were interesting developments as far as clarification of the groupings a little bit, but I don't really necessarily feel like the story developed very much. It was literally just one giant battle, which sure. was cool, but I'm more interested in a little bit more about the meat of the story and like what they, why they want to get these, who exactly wants to get the mutants back, the enhanced ones, the Russians and, and what do they want them for? Uh, just to experiment on them. Yeah. And Russian soldiers. Why is Nick Fury there? Because he's got his eye on everything. So, yeah. So I was just like waiting for some little nugget of plot furthering. Yeah, I feel like the only plot or or really development that we got was a thinning of the herd of mm. who's involved in this. You know, all the mercenaries and add-ons, all the henchmen just got taken out completely by either each other or Wolverine. And you've just now slimmed it down to the major players who got their title cards at the beginning of the issue. Yeah. So that's all we have left, which is still still cool. Yeah. I really enjoy the art. I really enjoy the action of it. I think that it's just a fun, classic Wolverine story. But yeah, it it doesn't really have any depth to it beyond that. It's, It's Wolverine is doing a mission over a couple of issues. Yeah. I think my thought was... Did this battle need an entire issue? But I'm different strokes for different folks. You are you, know? Do you have do you have heightened expectations for what this issue could have been? Is are you going? Are you trying to be rude right now and call back what I said before? Because no. Yes. I think if you're going to do a five issue arc, there should be a little bit of meat in every issue. I mean, if you saw how he's shish kebabbing these folks, you could tell there's some meat in this issue. Ah, that's not <laughs> what I meant. You know it. Christos Comcios said, Patch is really good. It reminds me of Madripoor Knights and Marvel's Wolverine Epic Collection number one. And 100%, it feels very of the time and really connected to this character's history. It's just, it's a classic Wolverine story, just ripped from the pages of the time that you knew him from. I just want to say, oh, oh, those that's all that popped into my head because i don't know that story sure right (laughs) wise guy followed by a bunch of numbers that i didn't write down sorry wise guy (laughs) can't wait for krakoa to return to my pull box no hate to nostalgia but not for me and as much as i enjoyed both of these issues i was missing some kind of krakoan update this week i'd enjoy the throwback stories but i'm here for the crack oh the crack Koa. <laughs> Before we get started on Gambit, Curls asked for a little context as to where we were in comics time. Smart question, Curls. So in Uncanny X-Men number 266, Gambit meets up with a younger version of Storm. This is his first appearance and their first meeting. Never before has Gambit been seen in comics. She's being hunted by the Shadow King and his hounds. So he's in the body of this agent that we see in this comic mm-hmm. hunting down storm because of their past connection and 
she's actually been de-aged and mind wiped by Nanny of Nanny and Orphan Maker. Yeah, I remember in the issue it kind of like called to that and I was like, <gasps> Nanny. In an attempt to break her will and have her be one of her children's soldiers. Oh, didn't Gambit, work? No, because Gambit intervened and they teamed up and went on a series of adventures that were otherwise only referenced to in a few panels, never fully explored. These are those adventures. <laughs> but, <laughs> dun, dun. <laughs> These are those stories. <laughs> on the other side of a second encounter with Nanny and Orphan Maker, Storm is returned to her peak age. Ah. She and Gambit walk off as she asks if he's ever heard of the X-Men. Interesting. It's so crazy to know that this is essentially Gambit's origin story. Right. Like we didn't, this is, he just showed up in comics at this moment and it was like, hey, I'm Gambit. I'm here. I'm also a fully thief. formed. I don't need, it's interesting because you think of where different characters come from at different times, right? Mm -hmm. Kitty Pride was very much so a student of Xavier's school, yes. right? But Wolverine and Nightcrawler were full grown adults. Storm, full grown adult. When they came to the school, Gambit was a full grown adult, had this backstory that we didn't even know. Don't even get me started on the mutant massacre connection that you don't know. Oh, what? Right. Don't even get him started. Save that for another day, I guess. I guess. On to Gambit. Ooh, Gambit. I'm going to say right out of the bat, I really enjoyed this. I did too. I was not expecting to enjoy it this much. I really liked it. I think that a lot of folks are on the fence. And, and rightfully so. Like, I love Claremont's classic work. Mm -hmm. I really like his work on Extreme X-Men, which got a second revitaled title. That that was some SDCC news that we didn't talk about. Extreme X-Men is coming back for a five-issue miniseries with Claremont and Salvador LaRocca. That's cool. That was Extreme. That team and that story was one of the things that I really collected back in the day. Back in the day, back in your OG comic collecting days. J. Ron Collectibles. Well, all right. Look at this cover, first of all. It's fun. It's inviting. It's bright. It's beautiful. Will Sportacio with that classic 90s X-Men goodness. I'm here for it. A couple of people said they wished that Wills was on the interiors, but I, I like the art here. I did. I really enjoyed the art in this book, yeah. Yeah. Oh, my God. I had so much fun reading the narration as Gambit. <laughs> yeah, you would. I mean, I did, too, in my head. But you saying that and me seeing the smile on your face, I know you took it I'm to a obviously going to try it. Yeah, you're going to have to do some of that for our friends here on the podcast because everybody's going to want to hear it. So let's dig in. Page turn noise. Normal city perched on the banks of the Mississippi. Normal moment. Boulevards thick with end-of-day crowds on their way home. Everyone so focused on their own lives. They barely aware of the world around them till they bump. Mm -hmm. Honestly, it's it's um Nick Miller and <laughs> oh what's the what's the character? It's um oh my god. Pepperwood. Yeah, Julius pep Pepperwood. Julius Pepperwood. That, that's exactly what it is. Gambit is Julius Pepperwood. And that's the, even when he talks about him too, like the, he's from the bayou. When he's reading his, his book and he's like, this he, here gumbo. Yeah, he got it, his, it, he got his woman. Oh my, he got his woman. He got his gumbo. Oh my God. Julius Pepperwood is Gambit. 
This this is a revelation for my life right now. I, I do really appreciate the sneaky credits page too mm-hmm. in the art, like the good old days. Written by Chris Claremont, art by Sid Kotan, color art by Espen Guttenjern. Letters Clayton Coles. VCs Clayton Coles. Clayton Coles all over the market today. Oh yeah, getting those classics. As we have this guy bumped into. Oh, but it's fine. What's the problem, home? Well, he's upset because he thinks that kid just stole his. Oh wait, my wallet is here. <laughs> so sorry. I just assumed. Oh, I love this juvenile energy of who is later revealed to be Storm. Gambit and Storm pulling pickpocket tricks on the streets. Like I'm already in. We're in page two. Yeah, it's really fun. And they love like, like they just play off each other so well. Yeah, their their relationship is really interesting. Right. It, it, she is so frustrated. And also she's at a weird place in her life because she's been de-aged into this other form. She doesn't remember anything. She's got fuzzy memories. She has no real access to her full power. Yeah. And Gambit doesn't know her from her other life. And so they're just hanging out. They're just hanging out. He's like, listen, kid, I'm teaching you how to be a thief. And that's what we're doing here. So now we're going to go break into his house. Title page part two. In the time period only previously glimpsed during Uncanny X-Men 267. Ooh. I do like that they give it to you. And it makes it feel like this and Patch are X-Men Legends pitches that were bigger than a two-issue arc. Yeah, that's true. That they were like, okay, we could actually stretch this out to a couple of issues. Because I think this is a five-issue mini as well. Exciting. I'm excited to get five whole issues of this. Case in the joint. Storm's got an assignment. Still, I still don't know. I, I still need to know about the claustrophobia, okay? How long have we been doing this podcast? <laughs> Almost two years? When, when her parents died in a bomb crash, she was trapped in under the rubble. And oh. so she was, it's the memory that then triggers every time. But yes, it is. It is <laughs> literally, if you know anything about Aurora, it's weather and open spaces. It's yeah. not confined. Yeah. Like anything about X-Men the Animated Series. Oh, no. Yeah, she's always she's always like, oh, I can't do it. And then she's having bad memories. And I'm like, Flashbacks. what is happening? What's happening to you? So there is an air raid strike on where her and her parents lived. Mm-hmm. Her parents died in the crash and then the rubble. And she was trapped underneath oh, God. for, I, I think, weeks or days. I'm not That's sure. terrible. As a young child, as this young child in this image. So... She's thinking about going in the chimney. She's also complaining. You know, why do I have to do all this gambit? She's yeah. doing it. But I'm going to go in this chimney. Nope, actually, I can't. Instead, I'm going to use a little zappy zap. Sneaking in. Sneak in. And oh, wait hey. a second. How get, did you get, <laughs> look at her face. She's so upset. How did you get inside? Oh, you know, I was I was just doing this. Well, then why are you testing me always? And he's just laughing as she pours rain down on him. Yes. Which <laughs> I, this is how you learn, child. I love it. I love it. Get, yeah. Getting away with the loot for the poor and papers for blackmail of sorts, it seems. Robin Hood vibes all over. Yes. And I really love, you know, this page in particular. There's so many things about the art that I love. I love the close-up panel. I like their facial expressions. I like... Just, just the, the playfulness, the playfulness them. of it, and this this bottom image, like it feels very like Calvin and Hobbes. To sure, me, right, right. You know, yeah. Just like the stark background and the like, what? Huh? I don't know. As he's soaked. Yeah, I'm and into it. Money's flying all around. Oh, let's get a recap. 
Let's talk about the Shadow King. A tale of two Kairos. Gambit knows nothing about geography, so he stays quiet. He's like, what are you talking about? This is Cairo, Illinois. There's another Cairo? I wouldn't know. I don't know. An interesting lack of language control in her mind, too, as she's switching between these languages that she knows. Yes, and interesting for me because I didn't realize the Shadow King could swap bodies. Oh, yeah. That's his whole deal. I mean, we see him as Amal Farouk even in the New Mutants arc. But he has historically been in either different bodies or multiple bodies. Ooh, crazy. Well, right now he's in this agent's body. You do want to hear more about just the history between them. So Storm, when she was raised on the streets of Cairo Mm -hmm. after losing her family and built up as a pickpocket was kind of manipulated by Amal Farouk as the Shadow King. And there was the, an exchange where Xavier met with, after pickpocketed by Storm, met with Amal and had this intense mental battle between the two of them and freed Storm, essentially. Oh, interesting. Unknowingly. but I see, I see. Which well, is, another one more side. Yeah, tell me. Which is why I think Storm would make a great Disney Plus show. You build up Storm and the Shadow King as the villain that doesn't actually go away, but Storm as the future leader of an X-Men team in the same way that Cyclops and Mr. Sinister would be a great... They they both have that Mm. duality of interaction with a younger version of themselves and a really big bad that could be an effect to a full team. So when are you going to start working for Disney Plus? I don't know. Whenever they call me. Y'all hear that? Give him a call. He's got ideas. All right. Well, now he's in the he's in the mind slash body of this agent that they're scoping out. Who is the agent that he's in when we actually pick this story up in Uncanny X-Men. I see. I see. And uh, Storm is out to kill him. Yeah. She's mad. I mean, rightfully she's so. She's going to take him down. But also Moira's there. Lady Moira. And I tried really hard to allow myself to not try to figure out how this fits into Moira's story at the moment. Sure, right. Because I know this is a nugget that fits within issues that already exist, which has now been somewhat retconned because of... Well, let's see. Let's put the fact that Moira may or may not be a life model decoy at this point in time, which... Really doesn't make sense in how she's able to fool the Shadow King, but she was alive. The faked death of the Shi'ar Golem had not happened yet. Okay. So this arguably still could happen. Mm-hmm. It's just the ability to be manipulated by the Shadow King, which he's a very powerful force. He mm-hmm. manipulates and, and traps Xavier as well multiple times. That was Claremont's initial intention that this exchange that happens in Uncanny X-Men a few issues later would be the death of Xavier. And then Magneto would take over the school. I wish they let you kill that. You can't you can't have anything drastic like that. Oh, excuse me. What did they literally just do? Supposedly (laughs) judgment. So they could do it to Magneto, but they can't do it to Charles. But now they have machines even more so than just the nature of comics. But he erased himself. The waiting room, again. Anyway, anyway, that's a tangent. So any, so any hoodle. Moira's here, but we would see how this 
all plays out in the Muir Island saga. Uncanny X-Men number 278. Which is great. I, I really enjoy the Muir Island saga. Muir Isle saga. Well, I don't know what happens. I, you know, I do love the New Mutants redemption arc for Shadow King, but I am here for classic Shadow King nonsense. Oh, yeah. Let's get it. We need a good villain. Always. Always. Oh, and Stormy Stormstorms thinks she's being a hero, saving this kid from a cop. Little Miss Lady Gang. But guess what? You're wrong, because all these girls, they <laughs> are not happy with you. She's about to get jumped into their gang, too. Yeah. As Gambit comes to the rescue, cards and minor explosions, because you don't want to kill the kids. Just like, hey, hey, hey. Chill, chill, chill. And then, well, I don't know why one of these girls is giving me hard Jubilee vibes. Oh, I think it's just yeah. the coloration of her outfit. It's the coloration and the fact that she's Asian American. Mm-hmm. But like I could make all of them like this. Could The girl in orange could be Kate. And the other girl in the pink, she gives me like nerd boom boom vibes. <laughs> she makes me think of like the peanuts. Yeah. That's Cecilia Reyes. <laughs> so see, before they were what they were, they were kids in this gang. But anyway, they're uh, they're upset and their boss is here. Sabine. Sabine, leader of the Bakai. And uh, Gambit knows her, because of course he does. Of course he does. He knows everybody. Right. We're going to chat it out about the Shadow King, what they're up to, and how they want to get away from him before it's too late. But it's personal for Aurora. She's not ready to leave, and Gambit likes her, so he ain't going to leave her. Oh, but by the way, there's a challenge that's been issued. You don't have to take it. She's not interested in backing down. She was just attacked essentially and she is constantly proving herself throughout this because she knows she should have the she took down cyclops without any powers that's right that's right retcons of madeline's involvement be damned (laughs) the fight rages on between these two aurora is not doing well at all but that's not gonna stop her from a nice secret punch and a swift kick to the face oh man knocked down destroyed well now they hate you and i trained them to kill so watch out so uh we gotta go but watch your back and i love this regroup page this this like oh we're best friends and we're talking afterwards and just the emotion it's always in the the emotion of the faces yeah even the eyes she's ready for a fight this one she's so spunky and mad ready to fight anybody (laughs) gambit's like okay okay but like just take a chill okay all right let's talk about it but like just take a breath. Let's walk on this pier. And let's hear your plans for making Shadow King crazy mad. First, we're going to throw a pie in this guy's face. <laughs> going to whisper in his ears and just make him lash out and attack all these people around him. Shadow King don't like that. No, because now he's coming for you. Oh, this is terrifying. This last image on this page. Yeah. They're like Yucky multiple tongues. Tongue. In the- I'm not into it. I don't like it. But I, like, I do, but I don't. You know? Yeah. It's scary, but it's cool. Always testing her. Always reminding her that she has something still to learn. Right. Yeah. And it's great. I just, I love their relationship. I love it when she's like, don't do that to me. And he's like, okay, we'll learn how to stop me then. Yeah. It's such a fun dynamic. Right. And it's, it's in no way like weird. It's, it's very no, much so yeah. mentor mentee. Yeah, it's great. It's really well done. It's, it's fun. It's quirky. It's classic. It's classic. The last page of Gambit. Yes. This is Bounty. 
who I didn't know off the top of my head. Oh. But that's her bounty. name. Bounty. She's a bounty hunter with the name Bounty. <laughs> She's not usually... What a... Wow, <laughs> Bounty? She hunts? She's a bounty hunter? She's not usually an X-Men villain. I see. Or foe, or, okay, or just she, antagonist. She still looks like Gambit. And she's a humanoid. She's not, eh, kind of, I guess. Not like looks like, but the style of jacket that she wears, the way that it is open with her half top and her abs showing, and the fact that her costume colors are like blue and purple, like with the luscious hair and the headband situation, they have similarities. But anyway. Bounty. Got it. She's had run-ins with the Fantastic Four and Spider-Man and was created by Claremont and Ah. Salvador LaRocca in Fantastic Four, Volume 3, Number 14. Amazing. Well, she's got a demon head in her hands. Yeah, setting up our our next story or where we could go next because I'd imagine that Shadow King is not done, right? He's he's the big bad weaving in the background, but obviously they can't take him down because maybe that is isn't even where this story will go. The Shadow King is still going to be on the back burner for the Mirror Island saga and where he goes in Uncanny X-Men. But they want Gambit? I think they want Lila Cheney. So? They're talking about him. I just think it's interesting that they're saying that this girl teleports between galaxies and she's almost impossible to catch, but she's fiercely loyal to her mates. I grab him. Oh yeah, well I guess she's not gonna go. She's not gonna go capture herself. Right, that's not her. <laughs> I okay. <laughs> I hear you, Lila Cheney. I've heard that name before. Yeah, you have read a X Men Unlimited issue with her in it. Got it. It was that dating show. Oh yeah. Okay. She is an intergalactic rock star who can only teleport vast distances. Oh. So she cannot teleport like kurt can teleport very short distances and that has been enhanced mm-hmm. in recent years but she can only teleport vast distances so she has a hideout that's like oh, galaxies right. away that she'll go even if she wants to teleport like down the street a mile down the street she has to go all the way to there. this other place and then come back it's like a checkpoint kind of yep exactly that's cool yeah yeah so i remember you telling me that now her secret base well Maybe it is, maybe it isn't secret because this sassy little lady here is out to get her. Yep. It's a bit, itty bitty lies. Next. What'd you think? I really enjoyed it. I think we were gushing over it all all. Episode. Yeah, through the whole thing. I mean, it was really fun. Like I said, I really liked their dynamic. I think this, like, Patch and this are both, like you said, stories that kind of fit in a pocket of other things. Just for my personal taste, this is a story I like better than Patch. Sure, because there's more dynamic. You have characters that you have multiple characters that you're invested in. Mm -hmm. You have a time frame that you know limited about. I think there's more to this story relationship and character development wise, whereas the other story is more just. Well, it's Wolverine. Right. Right. But I'm patch. just saying, yeah, it's Patch. What the heck? Haven't we established that? Logan. Mm. But anyway, I'm just talking about like my preference. Like, sure, no hate to Wolverine, but I prefer a story with a little more to it than just 
slashing and slashing and bubs and knuckleheads. Uh, I mean, that's Wolverine. Yeah. He's got some depth to him, but not as... Hey, he does. He does. Occasionally. Occasionally. Oh, that was a terrible joke. <laughs> I love this. I thought it was so much fun. I, I enjoyed the art. I enjoyed the facial expressions, The mm-hmm. just the dynamicism of the panels. I the really colors. liked the setup. Yeah, the colors are great. Bernard Chang is a really great colorist. I just, I like the dynamic. I, I would be excited for the second issue. Yeah, me too. Planet X-Men starting us off with Gambit was surprisingly okay. <laughs> <laughs> and it's a sentiment. Ah, Planet X-Men. It's a sentiment that I I've seen you. throughout the internet in the past couple of days. No one was really sure what to expect. And this exceeded all of those expectations. I thought it was really great. I thought it was really fun. I think maybe I was expecting like a more serious story because I just assume a more serious story comes from Chris Claremont, but I thought it was really fun. Yeah, no, I think it's it's primarily the sour taste that most great fans of Chris Claremont's earlier work have had with some of his revisits mm. lately. Uh, I, I enjoyed that Nightcrawler and Kitty story from X-Men Legends. That was fun. But this just feels more reminiscent of the era that it's placed in. Well, that's good. Right. That's what we like. Right. That's what we're looking for. Fake Torta is wondering why these fill-in-the-blank stories of the 90s, but no Moira's fill-in-the-blank stories during Reign of X, which I think is interesting. So he's they're talking mm. about the, the hinted-at series of the dancing through the petals of her lives that I, I wanted, that I think Al Ewing was supposed to write. I think... To answer the question of why this and not that is because this doesn't actually affect Krakoa, right? This is just like a a story. And so it also draws in the audience of people who are not reading the current Krakoan comics or don't enjoy the Krakoan comics. Like that's those aren't their X-Men essentially. It gives those readers still some kind of content. So it's broadening the scope of what x-men can offer outside of just krakoa right krakoa has been killing it Mm -hmm. you know they have a full line of however many different titles all at once but there are fans that either it's too much because it is a lot right you know i i talk to chris every week about the krakoan era and he's just trying to get a sampling of knowing what the heck is going on so that he can understand where it's going sidebar proud alicia moment during a project that I just did, um, one of the singers happened to we were we were chatting at, at rehearsal one day, and I happened to talk to him about some of his ha- tattoos, and he has a Galactus tattoo, and one thing led to another, and we started talking about the X Men, and I brought up the podcast, and he was like, "Oh, that's so cool! I never really got into the Krakoan books." And then he said to me a couple of days later at rehearsal, "I started listening to your podcast, and I thought, oh my god, I have to read these comics now." Yeah. And so now he's reading the Krakoan Age and also listening to the podcast, which that's I think awesome. is so cool. That's cool. Warline Comics wants to know which issue did we enjoy more? Gambit. Gambit. It's a hundred percent Gambit. Gambit all the way. As much as Patch has been delivering some classic fun nostalgia for. 1980s early 90s wolverine yeah it's just 
It's Gambit for me, dog. It's the duo. It's the duo energy, the dynamic yeah. between the two. Yeah. Just And it's the newness of it, too. You gave me a number one that really hit and ran. Yeah. Yes. Agreed. All of the above. So I do want to say. Yes. In the interim since last night where you were calling me out on not having finished Eternals. You finished it. I finished Eternals. Good I also, job. I also wrote up just like a, a short thing about Spider-Man too. It has nothing to do with what's going on. You know, you said, oh no, am I going to have to read Spider-Man? Nothing in Spider-Man is really impacting where they're potentially going to go. Yet. Yet. Except Ooh. maybe there's a connection with Mary Jane. Okay. So I'll go Hit Spider-Man, Spider-Man first. Okay. Just give you a, a broad strokes idea of what's going on in Spider-Man comics currently. Okay, I'm going to close my eyes, visualize it. So Spider-Man has largely been taking place six months in the future. Mm. There have been some intense allusions to this big and terrible thing that he's done, but still no real understanding of what it is. Somehow, MJ is married to another man and has a kid that looks just like her, which doesn't make any sense at all. And has not been explained. And I also am coming to this not having read Spider-Man for a number of years. So maybe Paul is a recurring character and I have just never met him. Mm. I'm interested because each issue has gotten better and better. Except for the issue that came out this week, which was a literal mm-hmm. snooze. Wah, I fell wah. asleep while reading it on the couch and it hit me in the face. The mark of a not so great comic. But at least it was a paper issue and not the tablet like with... The Eternals one-shot that I read the other day. (laughs) Maybe I'm just not sleeping enough. That's probably (laughs) also true. true. I will say the issue that came out this week, Mm -hmm. number 900 legacy issue, it's getting a decent amount of flack online, and I I hear it because I felt that as well. But at the same time, it's a celebration of what Spider-Man is, his character, his morality, his arch nemeses, and even some of his great allies on the human side, which was really interesting and and just like a cool celebration of the character. Mm. So the first five issues has all been an arc of Tombstone and his story, a little bit of his backstory, but also the connections to the criminal underground in New York City. A little bit of the fallout from Devil's Reign, too. Oh, okay. And how that connects to Wilson Fisk's son, who is the Rose a crime boss. I see the seeds. Right. So that's honestly one of the main reasons why I wanted to get Daredevil because of the other connection points and just because I love the creative team on Daredevil. I binge. Because you can't stop comics. I, I can't. I can't stop. I'm, Once you pop, the fun don't stop. I'm worried about myself. Marvel. Does that give you a, a snapshot of just what's going on? It's, it's primarily it's been Spider-Man versus Tombstone for the last five issues. And it's gotten really good. Like, it's got the parker comedy you know it's silliness and and to the credit of issue six that came out this week the art was really great mm-hmm. i really enjoyed the art and it's it's a really nice looking book it's huge it was like 10 bucks which was kind of ridiculous but it's got the perfect bound side binding it was a nice looking book on the outside i only saw the outside but you ready for the Eternals? Do you have any questions about Spider-Man? Do you have any... Well, you said Mary Jane's daughter doesn't looks exactly like her, and that doesn't make any sense, and I'm confused as to why that doesn't make any sense. It doesn't sense. make any sense timeline-wise, because I don't know Paul. I don't know how long this relationship is I see. and how she already has so a daughter. So it doesn't make any sense that she has a daughter, not that her daughter looks exactly like her. Exactly. Okay, when you said that, I was like, I don't know why he's... Da- why is he saying that? It doesn't make sense. Kids don't look like their parents all the time. <laughs> 
But sometimes. But sometimes they do, and I, that makes sense. That makes sense. But other times, it doesn't make any sense. Okay, hit me with the Eternals. Our hero Eternals, after discovering the truth of their resurrection, have left main Eternal society. So you know who I'm referring to. Yes. So the Cersei, ones, basically Icarus, everyone from Dana. the movie. They are now living amongst the Deviants and Lumeria, yes. which we saw in Eve of Judgment. Yes. Literally to see if they can change, which is not really an eternal thing. Ah. They are not ones of change. They be what they be. Interesting to know that excess deviation is a physical ailment that Deviants have no control over. In the same way, Eternals have no control over their response to seeing it. Ah. They instantly go into the kill of this interesting now living amongst these people that occasionally kill one of your own people when they get out of line is making everyone extremely uncomfortable to say the least understandably so so all this is happening while druig has created a power vacuum and somehow promoted thanos into a spot where he can be elected as prime eternal thanos thanos oh no no they also discovered he is part eternal and part deviant Ooh. And when they didn't know how or why, the Eternals, our, our team, sought the only Celestial on Earth for information as to what's going on. Yeah. That Celestial is where the Avengers Mansion is. Avengers ah, Mountain. Ah. That's where their base is. That's where they live in. This is actually really interesting to see the other side of what Iron Man was talking about in Judgment Day number one. It's Eternals number 10, if anyone's interested. So that issue up until number 12, issues 10 and 11 are currently on Marvel Unlimited. 12 is not, but I had it in physical copy. Mm. The truth they find doesn't sit so well. The Deviants are, in fact, the important ones, not the Eternals. These Eternals that have been praying to or, or worshiping the celestial gods are now finding out that they are not the ones that were important. Oh, It's actually snap. the Deviants. All this is happening while Thanos and Druig bury into the mind of Alars, Thanos' father, to unearth the secrets of how Thanos was made to be the way he is, because he is not of natural creation. Right. So it's really cool to see these two points in contrast, this kind of resetting to the core principles of all these characters, just where excess deviation comes from, where Thanos and the Eternals come from. That That's what the whole series was about, was really breaking down to the core concepts of eternal society. His parents, Thanos' parents, used the power of Kronos to marry deviant and eternal material. And this is all coming up because Thanos wants to be a part of the machine, the Earth. He wants to be able to resurrect like the Eternals. He's got a lot of intense boo-boos going on inside him. Oh. Thanks to some meddling from some Eternals. I see. Now there's this massive fight as Thanos is trying to destroy Earth, furious that it won't allow him to enter the machine's resurrection protocols. And then it's revealed that Druig has built a failsafe for Thanos' destruction, if he had ever gotten so far. Which... So really, Druig just doesn't want anybody but himself <laughs> to be able to resurrect. Well, yes and no. Druig's mind was wiped when Thanos killed him. Okay. And so when he resurrected, he didn't know that he had this failsafe built, but he had this built. So it was like his backup plan. So he didn't know he was a bad guy? He's well, still no, a no, bad no. guy. He, he knew he was a bad guy. <laughs> he he went to Thanos. Like, he yeah. was already 
I mean, someone else went to Thanos too, but all that was going on. And then the end of the what are issue- you Wait, you're going to just be like, someone else went to Thanos too, but we're not going to talk about that. It was, it was like some deeper manipulations and it's, it's not, not gonna, important. It's not really important at this point. Okay. Really. It just, it ends with the last couple pages of issue 12 of Druig doing this worldwide search of where deviant genes energy can be found. Mm. And then where he, he's basically just look and, and we've seen this in his pitch in his he's looking for something to unite eternal society. He wants a common cause for them all to get on the same page to exactly. back the same horse, essentially. Exactly. He wants to get them all and he wants to be the leader of that. Of obviously. Obviously. He obviously. wants to be prime eternal. And he notices, hey, all these all these mutants, that sounds like deviants. That sounds like excess deviation to me. They, they go on, on Mars. They can resurrect themselves. And that's really what leads us into. Which is interesting because <laughs> is it excess deviation or is it just evolution in progress? Sure, right, right. Because this whole hullabaloo of mutants or deviants, I don't know. Are they? Or is that just what Druig is trying to spin it as. Yeah. What do we got coming next week? Stuff. X-Men Red. Yeah. And Immortal X-Men. Yeah. And Legion of X. Wow, you know it. And, uh... One more. It's not really Krakoan. The Excellent. But it is Krakoan. The ex House of 92, number House, three. That's great. So I'm we got Immortal X-Men number five, X-Men Red number five, Legion of X number four, X-Men 92, House of 92, number three. Are you proud? Are you so proud? I I'm, kind of got all of them. Yeah. Except for one. You're picking up my context clues throughout the week. It's good. Or you said them when we were recording our Patreon episode and I did a better job of remembering than I normally that's, do. That's context clues. They're very heavy-handed context clues. <laughs> it's just context. <laughs> it's not no really clues. Clue. It's just look at this context I brought to you. Remember this. Until next time, old friend. Charles. Magneto, please be alive. <laughs> Thanks so much for joining us today on the Ex-Wife Podcast. Be sure to leave us a review and tell your friends. The Ex-Wife Podcast is produced in Providence, Rhode Island by Alicia and Justin. Our music is by Quan. 